Uh, I was wondering, where do we go now? I was thinking Sweet Child O' Mine for some crazy reason there, and I'm sparing the listeners my singing ability. Yes, please do. Where do we go now? You could have a solo career. Solo, no one can hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so... We got all three of us together for the first time this year. Will's been busy. We're late because uh, Will was giving us a shop tour of some of the toys that nobody can see until, what, two weeks? Um, yeah, yeah, two weeks. I'm not sure how it works exactly yet, if we can share pictures before the show opens, or we've got to wait till the show opens before we can share pictures. The show opens uh, Friday at 12 o'clock in Pomona, California at the Fairplex. It's the Grand National Roadster Show. Uh, The 61 Impala that we're finishing up right now will be competing for the Al Sloniker Memorial Award, uh, which is um, a very, very, very prestigious award. You have to be invited to compete. Well, I mean, I say invited. You don't have to be invited. You have to be accepted. So... You submit your build, and they – I can't remember exactly how many they narrow it down to before, um, but you have to be accepted, and then they invite you to come compete for the Sloniker. So it's it's 8 to 12 cars, something like that. Well, I thought they cut the field – am I the right show? They cut the field down to the grade 8, and then they <clears throat> No, 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 no. Stop right there. No, no, that, no, that's no. – uh, that's a show that's in Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, see, <laughs> that's that is that's Pomona that is like in, the show. That is you know, Pomona that's, in January, Detroit in January. What's the difference? Well, I, <laughs> I, I I'm I'm going to voice my opinion on something here, and it's something I've kind of been quiet about. Honestly, is um, there amongst us builders? There has been multiple times where we felt Detroit has gotten it wrong. There's been times where we felt that they do not judge ugly. Um, And, you know, at Grand National for the Sloniker, they actually look at how your car sits on the ground, looks at how your car actually looks with the driver sitting in it. Um, how you know how it looks moving how it looks set and still you know so there's it's really uh it's really kind of honestly i believe that the sloniker they've really upped their game arp uh fasteners and bolts got behind this award a couple of years ago and has really kind of boosted it to uh i mean i hate to say the next riddler but that's that's where this award is going is to that level of first time seen in public. Uh, but one of the cool things about the Sloniker and what they're doing at Grand National is you can post build photos of your car. You can post the rendering. You can uh, create a buzz about your build before it's actually seen completed in one form on the floor at the Fairplex in Pomona. So, I mean, it, it, it's really a cool thing. If it wasn't something pretty big, we wouldn't be, you know, trekking 2,700 miles across the country to do it. Um, 
I've said it before. I'll say it again. Grand National, they don't call it the granddaddy of them all for nothing. Uh, you know, I mean, that's where the hot hot rod culture began. Uh, there's just uh, there's just kind of it's in the air. You know, there's this just um, yeah, it's just a car show, but it's indoors, it's outdoors, and there's just something about there's just something about that that show that area that's just unlike any other show that you can ever go to it's it's you know it's like the pebble beach of concourse shows it's, there's just something about it that it just makes it a little bit more special than everything else um if 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 i have a way to get out there uh it's one of the shows that i do not want to miss so then this well, year think- we're at, go ahead Sorry. I was just going to say, I, you know, your comment about it it being, you know, something unique about it or something special about it, you know, and I think we say it in, in certain respects to certain shows or certain locations for hot rod and street rod, street rod culture, it's going home. It, it's it, it's what you alluded to. You know, it's where it started. It, it's really Southern California is the home of hot rod street rod culture and although there were you know pockets of it all around the country eventually detroit you know um you know different areas that that became known it, that's really going home that's going back to where everything started and it just gives it that much more you know life to the event and i mean the history that shows up at that show too because there are cars that are from the very earliest days that go to that show and it, it it just adds to that the the fuel that is there and just the passion of everyone that is in at that event so and it's where you know the next great builders are being seen you know big oak garage i mean that's 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 the cool thing about those shows that happen where things began no you you're absolutely right and um, I forgot what I was about to say because I'm trying to share this stuff on Facebook. Um, but <clears throat> it's um it's an awesome event, and uh, for them to even be pulling it off right now is, is awesome. With uh, being in the middle of LA County, California, it's got to be extremely tough on uh the promoters John Buck and Kevin Doyle and all the guys that um have been busting their tail to try to make it happen. They tried everything they could to make it happen last year. Unfortunately, uh, with COVID, they, they had to cancel the show, which, you know, kind of broke a lot of people's hearts. And, you know, there's, there's people out there that um, are being really negative towards it right now because of the mandates that LA County has put in, uh, in, in act and, it's kind of disheartening to see. I mean, trust me, Kevin and, and John, they're just having to abide by the laws that's been put forth in, forth in L.A. County. Um, if putting a mask on or showing a negative test or showing your vaccine card uh, is controlling you going to a car show, you really, you're really looking for an excuse not to go see your friends and hang out with your buddies or try to find new customers or or see some of the coolest, baddest, old school, traditional hot rods to modern hot rods to low riders. I mean, you name it, it's there. 
Um, so, you know, it's kind of disheartening to read some of that. And, you know, I see both sides of it, but I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let that control my life and what I enjoy doing. And if I've got to put on a mask, trust me, anybody with a beard like this hates wearing mask, but you know, I'll put one on and I'll walk through that show with a smile on my face and you know, there's ways around it. You know, always have a drink in your hand, always have a hot dog in your hand, whatever, you know? <clears throat> so anyway, I'm going to be there. A lot of other people are going to be there. And if you want to see some of the coolest <coughs> modern builds or some of the coolest traditional builds that were built back in the fifties, come on. Um, I know this year they're doing a big thing for Volkswagens. Uh, they got a one building dedicated completely to Volkswagens. Uh, matter of fact, I'm actually hauling one out uh, from Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, back to L.A. Car originated in L.A., was built in L.A., and has a huge following and a, a ton of, you know, street cred from back in the day. Uh, so we're hauling it out, and um, it's 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 going to be, you know, it's going to be a cool-ass show. And they're also doing something big for the uh, 32 Ford, so... So two kind of special things going on. Not only that, they're doing obviously the AMBR, which is America's most beautiful roadster, and the Sloniker. So it it's going to be a big deal, and it it is every year. You know, it is every freaking year. So anyway, rant over. Go ahead. Well, I mean, to go go on the history of that and. <clears throat> You probably might know this right off the top of your head, but I'm 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 blanking on it. America's most beautiful roadster is one of the older awards given away in car show culture in America, if I remember right, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's been being I mean, it's been being given away since I, I hate to even say because it, it's late fifties, early sixties, was it? I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up and see. I do know that um <laughs> I thought I was going to be the one making extra noise to that. <laughs> oh, it's a little puppy running around with her bell on. Uh, she doesn't. She Christmas doesn't bark. Is over. Get the bell off. She doesn't bark, so it's the only way you can find her sometimes in the house. Uh, While you're looking that up, Will, I was going to pop in here. I was listening to hopefully soon to be on the show Mark Green's podcast, and he had John Buck on episode uh, 1977. He's almost 2,000 interviews into his show just within the last couple of weeks. And John was talking about the Volkswagens this year, talking about the Grand National Roadster show, talking about his other show that they do. Um, just throwing that out there is if you, you want to learn a little bit more about the show, uh, go listen to Mark over with Cars Yeah and uh, catch about 30 minutes of a pr pretty, pretty good interview. So AMBR has been going on since 1950. 1950. Um, okay, yeah, there we go. 1950. Um, I'm pretty sure it started in Oakland and then moved. Uh, yes. Um, used to be the Oakland Roadster Show, and now it's uh, Grand National Roadster Show, which is in L.A. I'm not exactly sure when it moved from Oakland to um uh, to LA, but um, anyway, yeah, 
And so the Sloniker deal, um, I'm pretty sure Al Sloniker was the uh, originator of the Oakland Roadster Show and AMB, uh, AMBR. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And so, but that's and and going back to that, that's like to me, that's one of the cool things. Of course, being being the you know historian part of it too is a, an award like that carries so much history and weight with it that it's, I mean, it just makes it that much more significant. It's, you know, it's, it's not an award that was just invented in the last 10 years to recognize something. You know, when you're going out there and and you're going for that award, you know, you're running with the biggest name. I mean, the people that have won that in the past are, are some of the greatest of greats in hot rod culture. Oh, and, yeah. you know, it's just it, it's all of that that just makes the, these shows that have been around so long just so cool to go to and see and be a part of. Oh, absolutely. One hundred percent. So excited to be there. Excited to be heading that way. Actually, this time uh, this time next week, we'll uh, we'll be there or two weeks. This time in two weeks, we'll be there and uh, be able to show the world this. 61 Impala that we've kind of been, I mean, we, we actually kind of debuted the car in bare metal there a couple of years ago. Uh, but I don't, I don't think I've posted a uh, single picture of it since then. So <laughs> it's been, uh, it's been kind of cap under wraps. Um, Tracy Weaver, uh, recovery room, hot rod interiors done interior up in, uh, just South of Omaha, Nebraska. You know, we picked it up from him last week, and <clears throat> he's actually coming down here um, at the end of next week to put his final touches on things and finish up a couple of little small things. And we're going to go out there and, you know, see what happens. I'm going to ask you one question before we jump into our topic here. But did the extra year that COVID provided you help you with the car? Um, out not necessarily. Um, we just kind of instead of putting everybody on it and knocking it out and getting it done, we just kind of kept piddling on it a little bit here and a little bit there. Um, pretty well had one guy on it for eight nine months, and instead of just um, you know, just hammering on it. Uh, at the end of the day, it all boils down to the budget of the build and. Um, and, and first off, th- this car was built for SEMA. Uh, it was built as a SEMA debut car from day one. Uh, it was never built to be competing for a Riddler or a Sloniker award. Um, so we didn't have that huge Sloniker Riddler budget, uh, that a lot of the guys have when, when they start off building a car to compete for such award. So, you know, just being accepted and being able to, uh, chosen to compete for the award is, 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 was a win for us. So, um, you know, yeah, if, if we were actually building the car to compete for Sloniker and, and Riddler, then yeah, the extra year would have really <laughs> come in handy because, when, when they're finished, they're still not finished. I mean, that's just, uh, hot rods are never finished They're You know, they're, um, 
they're just always a work in progress. So, but, you know, we did add a few little things here and, and there, you know, a few more little one-off pieces and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, to say it, it really made a difference in the build. I, I don't really think it did. I mean, we would have been, we would basically been bringing the same car last year that we're bringing this year. We would have just, uh, we would have really compacted the hours that we've spent on it in the last year into, you know, three or four months. Anyway, we were talking about that. It did occur to me, and you probably you might kill me, but um, we did talk extensively about that car back on episode one sixty one and the reverse wedge uh, mm-hmm. uh, digital exhaust idiocracy uh, <laughs> episode. So, if anybody wants to hear uh, a little yeah, bit about the, re- the reverse wedgie, uh, I remember if, that episode. <laughs> if, if, if anybody wants to get into that, uh, find out a little bit about some of the stuff that this car is going to debut with. Um, Go ahead and pop back about, what, 30 episodes, 35 episodes. I honestly don't know what number we're on right now. I should. I was really working on the audio podcast today. but Well, I'll I'll tell you what I'll do tonight. Being that nobody's seen this car in two years, how about I give a sneak peek tonight? No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't want you violating the rules of the show or anything. No, no, I won't be violating the rules. Okay, I can basically show you whatever I want to show you as long as the car is not complete or a complete picture of the car. And I could go out there and show you it right now, and it's not complete. So I'm not going to do that. But um, nobody knows what color it is. Um, so why don't I just? find a picture here just to kind of uh, a little sneak peek here. I don't want to give the whole thing away, but um, let's see here. Hmm. I'm getting there. Oh, that's a video. Y'all keep talking. Well, I was trying to, so I wouldn't mess it up. I was trying to get, because Jason asked, what is the Sloniker? Evidently, he walked away. So I believe the gentleman's name was Al Sloniker, correct, Will? That's it. Um, And it's the Al Sloniker Memorial Award. And uh, Al was the, I believe it was the founder of the Oakland Roadster Show. And uh, So it's a, a memorial award to uh, cars being shown at the show. So it's a dark color and a light color. There you go. I say, it looks like, there's like Will, <laughs> Will, Will may have turned that picture into a black and white photo. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one. It's got big bear brakes. How about that? Well, they're bare without wheels. So, <laughs> yeah, who that's just, why they're bare. Exactly. Who yeah. just got bought by Holly? By the way, it's like having uh, bare feet. You don't have the Who's, shoes on. They're they're bare. Yeah. And uh, who Holly is building a uh, is planning to build a new world headquarters right around the corner from the National Corvette Museum. They're going to be our new neighbors. 
center cap for the wheels. Nice. You're showing an awful lot here. Hey, it's all right. Confidence there. Yeah, really. Let's see here. One of those cocky resto mod builders over here. He only, I mean, there's only 250 hours between now and the show, so <laughs> somebody's oh, running out right now and repainting their car black and white to compete with Will. Exactly. Will can build three cars in that time. Come on. I'm going to show you. Say, Wesley, keep seeing, talking about your uh, the car, and it's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. You think it's oh, yeah. Hey, Wesley, sorry um, about the other day where uh, you were in the shop, and I didn't even say one word to you. Sorry, brother. I really am. He just didn't like you that day. All right. This was going to be pretty quick. So here, here's. Remember, a, we can people can pause this video, so it could end up being minutes and minutes. So true. All right, I'll zoom in a little bit farther. All right, so it's a. Uh, it, it is an all aluminum, five oh nine W motor, and uh, you can kind of see that there's a. Oh yeah, I got an update from Scotty D there. I was going to say, Scotty DTV just said uh, he's, he's breaking the news of what you're building for the show. But anyway, yeah, there you go. If Scotty's out there, we probably should get him back on the show at some point. But yeah, so there you go. There's you a few little, uh, few little sneak peeks. Here's another good little sneak peek. This is the... That's the like the Impala speaker grill kind of thing that goes in the back seat. It's not in the back seat. It's sitting on a, a table. But anyway, there you go. Now, so everybody, that's where Will's been in all these shows that he's been missing. He's um, kind of like Wesley just said. It's cool. Got to do the business. Got to do business. Something like that. If I could read six damn words right <laughs> there's the headers hey, those are headers look at that wow <laughs> thank you advanced plating for the awesome polished job oh so now they, yeah you know if they want to sponsor the show Long all right pause. Yeah, let, let, let's let's jump into the topic here. Derek shot something out here, this, uh, and I'm going, oh, this is interesting. And then I've actually got some feedback throughout the day after we announced it. Unfortunately, I have a feeling they aren't. Derek needs to describe what we're going to discuss in uh, alternative ways or non-traditional ways to sell your car. And technically, some of them aren't actually selling your car, I believe. Is that the handoff to me? That's the handoff to you. Oh, okay. So, the, it, well, it, it really, the idea of this topic sprung because last week, of course, we talked about how do you, uh, you know, how do you pick a project? How do you acquire the cars that you're going to be working on for really more so for the hobby part end of things, right? I mean, that's what John and I talked about. Will, you weren't able to be here. Yeah, but, I'm sorry about that. I know I had a lot of people text me and message me about 
the uh, show sucked. We wish no, no, you were no. there. We get it. We get it. <laughs> well, it was before before the show aired. Um, a lot of people asked me if I was going to be on, but unfortunately, I was um, in Springfield, Missouri, on my way to uh, Nebraska to get the Impala. So, sorry for all the people that uh, wanted to hear my input on that. Maybe we can touch on it again later. Well, you know, maybe we can work it, weave it into tonight. But it got me thinking because, yeah, we were talking about, uh, you know, really trying to get more focus on buying projects or cars as a hobby rather than, of course, large collections that buy for the profit end of things. You know, they're they're investing and they're buying this car because it's, you know, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars today and and in 10 years they're gambling that it's going to be a 1.5 million dollar car and they're going to make money whatever it it just got me thinking over the last few days well what about when we go to sell those projects or or the finished car and i think mostly it got me thinking about how can we you know discuss on this show and and bring forth a conversation about how can you sell your project car or your finished car and help the hobby continue uh, rather than, you know, oh, well, I'm going to sell it for a million dollars and I'm going to be wealthy. It, it just, you know, I guess we, as we always talk about, we're here to, you know, promote the hobby, get people, more people, especially younger people involved in the automotive you know, collector hobby and, and this passion for what we all have. So just kind of, I, I kind of thought, you know, parlaying off that conversation of how do we acquire it? Well, what about when, you know, the people that are selling it to us or when we go to sell to some, you know, someone, how can we promote the hobby in doing that? And I kind of liked when you threw that topic out there and, and, and it's really not, it's not tying back to the project car episode, but, a couple of, back in 96, I think it was, um, my ex-wife bought a Jeep Wrangler and loved the thing, put 180,000 miles on it. Um, just to, you know, she just absolutely loved it, commuted in it, chased tornadoes in it, killed an owl in it, um, nice. all kinds of things. But it eventually, you know, became a 180,000 mile Jeep and it couldn't be used daily. And I did some work to it before we divorced and she basically, you know, she got the Jeep back and she, she drove it a little bit, but didn't use it much. And it would sit in front of her house. And one day uh, a gentleman came and knocked on her door or she was in her yard. I don't know the, the exact details and asked her if she was interested in selling it. And she kind of said, no, and the guy came back a couple of months later and asked if she was interested in selling it um, because he wanted to do it as a project with his kid. And he had brought his kid and she kind of decided that, no, I'm not going to do anything with it. And um, basically gave it to the guy um, because in her opinion, he was going to be honest and it was going to be a project for the son. And that that's one way is, I mean, we have stuff, stuff sitting around that we know we're never going to get use, you are used. Uh, we're never going to get done. We're never going to restore it. And just that one little thing, you know, the car had depreciated out. There was really no value to it. I mean, it, granted, it's a Jeep. It's probably worth three grand any day of the week. 
But I think it was much more pleasurable to give it to somebody and let that kid learn a little bit about cars and don't know where he is today. I don't know if he's still into the hobby or not, but you know, that's just one way of, that's what I instantly thought of when you, you threw out that topic, Derek, I know it's not exactly what you meant, but that's what I thought of. Well, no, I think it is what it is what I meant because I'm not talking about just our collector cars. It like you, you know, this is an old Jeep. I mean, you know, with when your old daily beater gets used up, I mean, typically by that time to a kid, that's an older car. You know, that's something, you know, vintage in some ways. Um, and they're going to want to build it. So it, it does. I think it does fit right in, you know, because could she have sold it for whatever the exact value of that car would have been according to Kelly blue book or whoever you want to go to? Uh, yeah, yeah, she probably could have, but you know, and, and whether or not your ex-wife was, you know, passionate about the car hobby and thought, Oh gee, you know, this kid is actually, or, you know, she was just like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. But you know, yeah, I don't think we have to think just about the collector cars in our life, but even just just any vehicle we have sitting around, modern or vintage, you know, how how can we help? And that's one way, you know, if somebody comes up and, you know, it's a, a dad and a younger kid, or if it's just that younger kid, maybe he's a late high school, early college kid, and he's looking for a project car and stumbles across one. Uh, to me, you know, take it into consideration, you know, it's, it's a kid. And I, I think it's one of the things that is keeping kids out of the hobby. They can't afford it because they go out, they find a hobby car and the person they try to buy it from is like, well, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's worth $6,500 son. I'm, I'm not going to sell it to you for any less than that. Well, I, I, I've got, you know, $5,200. Would you take that? This is a kid that's scraping together everything he probably has to get something that he has a passion for, you know, I think people need to start thinking that way. I'm not saying take a huge loss on something, but you know, if you're able to, we we've got to help this hobby out. We've got to promote it. Yeah. Um, um, but go ahead, John. I was going to say, I, I just read something this week and I can't remember who wrote it. If it was drive time, drive tribe or our favorite company, Hagerty or, somebody but that's one they were the whole article was pointing to the fact that we're reason we're not getting a lot of kids in the hobby anymore is because the cars are too expensive i mean any you know anything out there try to find a three thousand dollar car i mean it's absolute junk in today's world Mm -hmm. you know five thousand might get you a car that'll go a couple of blocks i mean uh I think the was the Bottle Rockets back in the mid '90s had a song, you know, thousand dollar car, and basically you pay a thousand dollars and you're going to go another thousand into a, the hole to make the thing run. So, you know, you've got a two thousand dollar thousand dollar car, and unfortunately, that's now a three or four thousand dollar car, and you're still going to put a thousand or two thousand into it. It's kind, you know, I think it's good if you can. If you can afford it to help promote the hobby or move along, um, I read an article or somebody just posted today um, on my Facebook page, one of my friends, that 
one of her first collector cars or one of her first cars was um, a Buick, late late sixties Buick. I'm not going to get too specific, but she went and you know had saved up her money and bought it off this elderly lady and gave her cash. And the lady said, "Well, let me go get the title." And went and got the title and gave it back to this this person, and then gave her back one of these crisp fifty dollar bills that the lady had just you know, or the person who just paid for the car and said, here, use, use this to help register it. So it's even, even that little, you know, um, push any of that little stuff helps, you know, $50, thousand dollars. I'm not saying give away, you know, don't, you know, it takes a lot to give away a car, but you know, if you can afford to take the thousand dollar hit and you're sure the kid's going to, you know, learn from it or it will help him into the hobby or he's excited and passionate. Sometimes a thousand dollars isn't a lot of money. And I think you need to, you know, we, and I mean, it's probably the biggest joke inside the car restoration and, and, you know, hobby that we have, which is the, you know, knock on the door. Hey, I'd like to talk to you about buying your car. I'm going to fix it up someday. It's not for sale you have to take a really long, hard look at that because if, if you're that person that the car's sitting in the yard side yard beside the barn waiting to be restored and you're not willing to sell it for any less than it's worth that right then at that moment and you never get to it in another 10 years, that car's not going to be worth anything to anyone, you or somebody that wants to buy it. So I think it's also about, you know, kind of digging deep and really truly thinking about what you're going to do with that project. Are you really going to get it done? And if not, and if there is some kid out there or somebody younger that wants to be in this hobby, you know, really think hard about it is, is it, like you said, John is a thousand dollars off what it's worth. You know, is, is that going to hurt you in the long run? Because if you never do anything with it and it, the condition of it gets worse, you've lost that thousand dollars anyway if not more. I was pausing for you, Will. All right. I know, I'm waiting because I know Will's got stuff to say. <laughs> no, no, I'm listening. It's fine. Yeah. Will, Will's selling cars at Barrett-Jackson and that just See, now, disagrees now, with everything. Yeah, I know. Now, now Will knows how we feel on days when he gets off on a rant. Yeah, well, oh, like, like the first 20 minutes like, of the show. Yeah, those things to say, the first of the show tonight. Um, I remember... I can't remember if we were freshmen or sophomores in McPherson. Anyway. That was a long time ago. When you get old, just begin to forget things. Well, I don't forget this because I was pretty damn funny. Um, I'm pretty sure we were freshmen. We were standing out in front of Templeton Hall. And these couple of dudes come walking up and, you know, we can tell they're car dudes. So we start talking to them and they were talking about uh, donating a couple of cars to uh, the, uh, the restoration department, which, you know, I've always thought was pretty cool. It's a good way to, um, you know, get rid of your car and get a tax write off and everything else. So, Whenever this topic came up, I immediately thought about this story. So we're standing out in front of Templeton Hall, smoking cigarettes, whatever, bullshitting. And these guys come walking up and, 
we get to talking to them and they're, you know, telling us they wanted to donate a couple of cars, but they wanted to walk through the facility, meet, you know, meet the instructors, blah, 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 whatever. And, uh, one of them was, uh, I, I can't remember. There were three cars, but one of them was a 30, 37 Lincoln Zephyr. And I was, I'd worked, I'd worked for Alan Johnson that summer. <laughs> <Another story>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I said, I'd I'd worked with Alan Johnson that summer. And and for y'all that don't know who Alan Johnson is, Johnson's Hot Rod Shop, uh, he's one of the most elite builders in the country, um, one of the baddest dudes on the planet. So anyway, we were building a 37 Ford, or they were building a 37 Ford. I was fresh out of college. I wasn't doing nothing but sweeping the floors and taking the garbage out, you know? So he showed me a picture of it. He goes, you know what this is? And I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what that is. And uh, he goes, well, how do you know what that is? I said, well, first off, it's a 37 Lincoln Zephyr. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, well, how do you know? I was like, we just cut the top off one at a hot rod shop that I worked at over the summer to put on a 37 Ford. Man, this dude about had a heart attack, (laughs) which, you know, I didn't, really elaborate much on the story, but the, the Zephyr that came in, the only thing good on the entire thing was the roof. The dash was completely gone. The body was just toast. I mean, when that, when that thing came in, it was basically a roof on wheels. Um, but man, that dude, um, I think he wanted to punch me in the face. Uh, <laughs> he didn't have much to say to me after that. I think they walked on in and, um, you know, I don't know if they ever donated him cars or not, John. I honestly after don't know. After your story, probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I, like, I, I don't know whatever it came of them, but I thought, I want to say that car ended up there. So maybe they did, but yeah, it was after we were gone. I know. Um, so. But, but you yeah, know that's, that's that's exactly what I thought of whenever we talked when you brought this topic up. I was that's I was like, I that is tell the story. Yeah, and that's another honestly another perfect way to do it. If if you've got a project car sitting around that you're not willing to you know sell for anything less than what you I guess you feel it's worth, there's ways to donate those cars. And, and as Will just said, you know, if you're doing it to a, a charitable institution, a nonprofit or educational institution, you get tax benefits for that. Now I'm not an accountant. I'm not a tax expert, so I'm not going to say this is any type of advice, but look into it because if you do donate it to a, a school like McPherson or some of the tech colleges that exist around the world, um, country, or even a museum that has a, a, you know, a lot of auto museums have a, um, you know, kind of a, a student shop type uh, programs. Uh, I know the the Gilmore Museum up in Michigan does, and they accept project cars for the kids to work and learn on. And, you know, Model T is, um, I, I'm pretty sure the Gilmore had a Willis Knight at one point in their shop, teaching kids about Willis Knights and the Knight sleeve valve engine. Um, you know, so there's, there's, as, as John titled it, non-traditional ways to also part with your vehicles and, you know, benefit the hobby. And I, I think that's another 
thing we got to start thinking about. I know I've said that multiple times, but. And I want to mention something about that too, is it doesn't have to be a restored back to original car to donate to a museum. Um, Another shop I used to work at before I started Big Oak was uh, Rods and Restos owned by a guy named Neil Lee. Another crazy talented dude that um, I owe a lot to from, I mean, I worked there longer than I worked at any other shop. And one of my biggest projects while I worked there was a, a 1956 Chevrolet. Um, it was actually a sedan delivery with glass, super, super rare car, but uh, we cut it up, made a hot rod out of it anyway. Um, grade A car, um, one good guys, custom rod of the year. I mean, this was a big money project. Got owned by a guy named Gordy Peters up in Minnesota. I think he lives in Florida now. But anyway, um, Gordy uh, donated that car to a museum. And uh, I mean, now, you know, that car was a work of art. It is a piece of freaking art. And he uh, he donated it to a museum. So people, it was kind of, I think it may be even a museum that may actually take the cars out and take them to car shows a good bit too, just for display purposes. And so that car is still being shown and, and, and people are still able to see that car and enjoy that, seeing that car and looking at it and um, scratching their head on wondering, you know, what did they do here and how did they do that? And so that, you know, that's another way to keep, keep the hobby going. These high profile cars that go win the Riddler and win these big awards and then poof, you know, they just disappear or sell on Barrett Jackson and go away. Um, that's another way for, you know, these high profile hot rods to still be able to be seen. Yeah. And that, you know, that's one of the worst things. And I know we're drifting a little off topic here, but I think that's what no driving gloves is about. Um, that's one of the things I hate, hate the most is seeing, uh, well, and we've, we've had this conversation on the show before too, I think, but, seeing some of these high-end cars that people are, you know, so aware of that have won, you know, if we're talking in the hot rod world, the Riddler or, you know, any of the awards that we've talked about so far tonight and they go across Barrett Jackson and all of a sudden there's a black hole. They just disappear and they're gone. And, you know, the, the article came up again today on, on, on my Facebook page, Haggerty's article came up about the ragtime racers and, the, uh, you know, saved it from a life in a museum, which I don't remember which episode that was, John, but we had a long discussion on that. You know, museums are a place where this stuff can still be seen on a daily basis basis when it's on exhibit. And the general public can come in and see these cars. And, uh, you know, uh, to be honest, there's a lot of people out there that, um, you know, kind of, want to badmouth museums and, you know, uh, the cars just sit and they don't do that. Sorry. Most of us that are in the automotive museum world, we operate the vehicles. We care for them in a way that we can operate them when we want to, when we need to. Um, it's, it's a misnomer from years of it not happening, but there's a whole generation of those of us working in the field now that are changing. that, And, to me, it's almost worse. Like you say, Will, one of these cars goes across an auction block and all of a sudden it's in a private collection. Nobody knows where it is and they never see it again. You know, it's when it goes to a museum, at least you know where it is. You can actually go see it. And 
I'm going to disagree with those out there that say we don't run our stuff and take it out. We do. I'm sorry. We flat out do. Unlike some private collectors that don't. Well, I was going to add to that. Um, Obviously, I've worked with uh, nonprofit museums and various entities over the years. And, you know, sometimes these cars do get donated. But the advantage of their donation is kind of the donor is getting full value in his tax write-off type thing, however you want to manipulate the numbers. And they're very happy with it. And sometimes the cars or the donations don't fit the core, you know, idea of the museum. But the some of these museums will take them. I don't know, you know, what kind of warehousing some, some museums have, but others have more. And they they agree to take the car and keep it for the prerequisite, whatever. I don't, it was two years when last time I was dealing with museums. Three years. I, I guess it's changed now. I was thinking it had. But they hold the car for a period of time. And then they can sell it for anything. And they don't necessarily care what they get for it. And that's putting a project car back. You know, the, the donor gets a $15,000 tax write-off. And then the museum, three years later, four years later, will sell it for, you know, five dollars $6,000 maybe. Uh, the donor's happy with it. Somebody gets a pretty good deal. And the museum then has funding to continue its operation. Uh, One of the uh, places I used to uh, work, we would do that quite often. We guarantee that we would hold the vehicle. And then after the set time, the decision was made, does it fit the collection? We didn't even make the decision until the time period went by. And if it didn't fit the collection, we actually would go through and make the car viable and running. You know, we wouldn't necessarily restore it, but I know there was a gray market Mercedes that, you know, we ended up redoing the, the fuel injection on and, uh, you know, five or $6,000 worth of work that we never saw back, but it put that car back in somebody's hands as a collectible automobile for a lot less than what the market um, was going to ask for it. It's just, we didn't want to, sell something to somebody and they go, oh, this is absolute, absolute, you know, junk. You know, we were very upfront, but we did try to make it the best vehicle to um, to sell. You know, it maximizes our money. A running vehicle will always bring a little bit more money than a non-running vehicle, which, again, helps the museum. But, you know, there are deals to be had that way, trying to get into the hobby and if you're working with reputable places and reputable museums, most of them aren't out there to screw anybody or they're there because they have a passion for the automobile and they, you know, they will work with you. Um, if you, if you absolutely have to get maximize the value of your car, you can donate it. But, you know, there's like Derek was saying, there's all kinds of programs and things you can you can do with your vehicle. Unfortunately, there's not as many as there used to be. Um, and that's more insurance reasons, I believe, than it is actually the, the schools don't have the tools. The schools got, have no I gotta cut. I got to cut you off for a second, John. So the uh, reason that I didn't make the show last week, the last guy that commented, Tracy Weaver, y'all could give him hell about it. It was his fault. Ah, uh, nice job, Tracy. So <laughs> 
He's the one that done the interior in the Impala. So, the, actually, thanks for tying Will up. Uh, the show was better without him. Uh, now, Derek and I actually had a very non-academic, fun, fun show for. <laughs> I think we actually had more comments last week. We need to maybe we need to fire Will. That's what we got to do. Um, you know, and I'm going to jump Please. in and be. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be that guy because you know I don't want people to get the wrong impression, um, and. You know, each museum is going to be different. Um, we all have different policies. We all have different, you know, rules to, you know, how we accept things. Budgets. Um, you know, deal with, yeah, budgets, <laughs> deal with cars. And remember, museums are going to say no. So don't be offended and don't, you know, we have, you know, yes, we're a nonprofit but we're still running a business, if you will. We still have to mind our budget. We still have to be conscious of what we're doing. And it sucks, but one of the hardest things that you have to learn if you work in a collections department and are, say, a curator, director of collections, registrar, um, you learn how to say no um, because we can't take everything. And it's, you know, it's a burden upon the institution, even if we would like to. Um, yeah, but, but everyone's different. I mean, Toby's, you know, everybody sees Toby Stinson commenting over here from Owl's Head out in, in Maine and, you know, they have a cool auction program. So they have a little different policies and a little different ways they can do things with what they have set up than, you know, what we do at the NCM. You know, we have some different policies and, um, different ways we handle donations for either the collection or for fundraising purposes. And, you know, so if you're thinking about it, talk to the institution that you're thinking about giving it to. Don't just assume that they're going to want it. You got to talk to them. Yeah, talk, talk to them. Um, and if they don't want it, they may have an idea where it could go or some. Oh, I've sent I've right? sent cars multiple directions. But Derek's right. There is, you know, there is a cost involved for these museums to take these cars. And because if they're sold if they're sold immediately they have to sell for a certain percentage of the declared value that is used on the tax forms if it's not sold for that then the donor's liable for whatever the difference would have been that's why a lot of the institutions do keep them a period of time but to do that there has to be space for them there has to be bu a building and you know let's see here you know figure cheapest Cheapest place I know to store a car, $35 a month. Cheapest place I know to store a car indoors, $100 a month. So you can figure that there's a $3,600 investment for that museum to hold that car for three years before they do anything with it. So Derek is right that not everybody's going to take everything and various organizations will, do you know, are, are more desperate or more lenient or have different programs in place. But we're trying to get these cars back into um, what I want to say, the, the, the enthusiast hands, um, the young people that, you know, want that project car that don't have the money. I will take, I will take all donations of old cars and uh, shut up. Will get them in the uh, hands of people that can enjoy them. We're not going to, no, do not give anything to Will. Cause he'll just resto mod it. Cause yeah. 
I don't resto mod nothing because there's no such freaking thing. So and I, I think that's Will's license plate. Now we were just up at a shop. Oh, yeah. Day. <laughs> resto <Yeah>. mod. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, actually, we could we could like draw a line. Um, anything. Let's go. Nickel era and earlier can come to me, and anything. You know, post nickel era, you can you 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 take. Is that that where we're drawing the line? Sure. Actually, and I'll all just, all actually, mini all mini truck donations go to John Vivian. Actually, I'll just take them all, and I will distribute them how they need to be distributed. So, but if you want want to know the bad thing, somebody, I think we talked about it last year, offered me that CRX, and I turned it down, and I just watched pictures of it this week being donated somewhere else along with two other cars out of that gentleman's quote collection as he was, he's downsizing for retirement. Um, and I saw that picture and I go, damn, I really, I really should have taken that car. Um, I don't know what the heck I would do with it now being in an apartment, but I really, I would have kept it for you, John. See, Will's offering to store things for free for you. Yeah, outdoors. We <laughs> uh, might could work something out. I've only been talking to Will about that for four years now. <laughs> of course, well, it's a much, much bigger car than a CRX. <laughs> John, he'll he'll store it for free, but the bill for working on it is huge. He'll store it for free, but the bill for returning it is huge. That's <laughs> exactly. Right. There exactly. we go. I don't know. Did we throw out enough ideas or any ideas? Um, I don't know. I hope so. I think I, it was a I good think, show. I, I think if if you're if you've got a yard full of a couple of cars that you need to get rid of, man, just don't just call the scrap dude to come get them. No, no definitely no. don't do that. Um, don't do that. Don't man, do that. that that's a big no no. Call around to your local car dealership or hot rod shop or, um, you know, church. I mean, I'm sure, you know, church would have taken a donation for something like that and pay to get it running and give it to one of their members that needs a car. Uh, I mean, just don't call the scrap dude and have him come get it and pick it up, haul it off scrap. Yeah, uh, sit there that, and sit there and cry every time you see those junkyards that they're just bring a portable crusher to and you know, yeah, chew them up like a snowblower goes through snow, you know. But yeah, that, that's my big thing. Just don't don't haul them off for scrap. There, there's something good on that car, no matter what it is. Um, so that's that's my closing words. Um, I was going somewhere with that, and all of a sudden I forgot. Oops. So my words of wisdom will have to go unknown unless they pop up while Derek's doing some uh, closing statements. I really don't think anyone's at a loss there john (laughs) no i'm just you know i guess if if my closing words i would just encourage anybody that's listens to us that you know has project cars sitting around and doesn't know what to do with them think about a way you can get those into the hands of a young kid and and bring a new generation into this because we're all, you know, we're all feeling it. We're all struggling to, to know that the future is going to keep things going. And uh, if we can promote that somehow, let's do it. One, one more thing with, with show, 
you know, promoters like good guys and NSRA really opening up the year mock making models to come to their events, you know, those cars that are sitting behind people's houses, they're not, you know, they're, they're not an undesirable vehicle now. Um, the, the cutoff limit for these shows kind of dictates what people build. So just keep that in the back of your mind too, is you're, 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 you're calling the scrap dude to come get your, you know, 87 Camaro or whatever. Um, you know, those cars are, you know, those cars are becoming desirable and people are building them. So, um, anyway, there you go. I'm, I'm watching the comments. Um, Jason, Phil just knows when to join when the good part happens. <laughs> <laughs> when John forgets what he's saying. No, John kind of remembered what he was when saying. John's was done saying, talking. Um, we got a message uh, talking about. Um, oh, I guess he's more complimenting the show or any such. So we appreciate that. Um, Thank you. Whoever John's talking from. about. Somebody sent it uh, private messaged us on uh, oh, through wow. the Facebook page. Is but where I, was, where I was going is there's all these memes on Facebook. And, you know, there's the one that, you know, have a whatever, 47 pickup, blah, blah, blah. And it's four tires and everything else is rusted, you know, just has some rust. And it's a joke about selling it. Or the, you know, the car or pickup that's got the tree growing through it and Oh, I'm going to get to it someday, or it, you know, it's it's worth thirty thousand dollars in that. If you have a tree that's actually growing through your car, or growing out of the bed of your pickup truck, or something like that, start to deal with the reality that you're probably not going to get to that project, and you know, let it go to somebody who's going to do something with it rather than it just sit there and rot and rot and rot. Um. You know, but the cool thing about that is if it's the right year car or truck, you can cut the tree down, have the lumber milled, and actually use it in the project. But that that would be more of that resto mod because more than likely that tree isn't the wood that was a tree. No, if it's, if, it's an oak, it if it's an oak or an ash tree, yeah. you're probably going to have something that you can use it for. I'm just thinking, cut it into veneers for all the station wagons in the world and minivans. Yeah. But you know, every time y'all use that damn word, all you're doing is giving Barrett Jackson credit. Well, just just FYI, there, okay. Craig no, gave me a I'm just I'm just giving you life. I'm just giving you you know stress and anger. That don't stress me out. <laughs> If you knew what I dealt with on a daily basis, you would be laughing at that. No. I will start using the term modified restoration. <laughs> <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> but um, I think it's about time to jump. We're almost exactly on that 60-minute mark. Um, any Any parting words from anybody or I'm going to get out of here and Maybe do some podcast stuff behind the scenes. I'm going to go work on uh, Impella. I'm going to do something probably involving work of some kind. 
I'm going to go check out this belly dancer with the bells behind me. How much snow did y'all get done out there? Uh, like four or five inches. All right. Yeah. Coat. Cool. Well, I got to find that in broadcast button, and that's it. Adios. We should be out of here. Later. <laughs>